happy monday i am officially three weeks sober which i'm so excited about and um just feeling really good about because i don't think i've gone this long without drinking in my whole adult life or at least like in my mid-20s so yeah i'm just really proud of myself for for sticking with this and i've learned so much along the way by all the incredible interviews I've had. I mean, I talk a lot about the fact that like once you kind of learn things about what alcohol does to your body, it's hard to unlearn them and it's hard to look at it the same way. So I think that's been really helpful. And then also just talking to all these incredible people and and hearing about their stories and their struggles and, you know, what's allowed them to push through the hard days of sobriety has just been such an inspiration. Um, And Allie is definitely someone who was an inspiration for me. Uh, Before I talk a little bit about, you know, what's um, up and coming for this episode, I just wanted to quickly tell you guys about some of the changes that I've noticed personally um, over these past 22 days and how I've felt myself change like mentally and physically. Um, So first starting mentally, I've noticed that I just had a ton more clarity when it comes to like making decisions and just, I don't know, I I just, all the brain fog that I used to have is gone and I wake up every day and actually have energy, which is, I guess the second point is like that I don't need my midday naps anymore and I can go, you know, on one cup of coffee, which is very useful and great because I'm so busy. Um, I'm less reactive for sure, less emotional. And yeah, that's those are just a few of the the mental changes that I can first think of. And then in terms of physically, I mean, first, my skin looks like a baby's bottom. I've quite literally not had my skin be this clear since I don't know. I was like prepubescent. I really cannot remember the last time that I haven't had a single pimple on my face. It's bonkers, especially because like right before I stopped drinking. So around like December, my face was breaking out like crazy. Like I've had such bad hormonal acne for the past couple of years and it's like gone. I mean, it's wild. And then um, also physically, I've just noticed I feel so much less bloated and less puffy. Like I was scrolling through a bunch of pictures the other day um, from the summer of 2021 when I was drinking heavily and I was just like kind of grossed out by how puffy I looked and not even in a like a weight perspective or, you know, in terms of like looking large, but just not looking healthy and you know, for so long, I thought I had such little control over that. And now I'm realizing that I was kind of contributing to it by just drinking a ton. So those are just a few of the changes I've noticed. And I try to talk more about it on TikTok, but I don't think the algorithm likes me very much because the videos aren't going anywhere. But if you want to follow along, you can, you know, check those out. Anyways, uh, I want to just talk a little bit about this episode with Allie. I 
I'm obsessed with her. I found her on TikTok and seeing her one video talking about, you know, quitting drinking entirely really inspired me to do the same. And I am so grateful to have had such an amazing conversation with her. Some of the key takeaways um, that I think you'll get from this episode are to approach sobriety from a mindset of abundance as opposed to a mindset of deprivation. I think that's huge. Just thinking about all the things you gain from sobriety as opposed to what you lose because ultimately the good so outweighs the bad. Um, And then from a personal, I guess like selfish note, um, Allie was incredibly helpful in talking about dating while sober because I had no guidance in that department and she just made so many good points. Like, so if you're considering going sober and or stopping, you know, drinking and you're worried about like, what am I going to do for a date if I'm not just going for drinks? Listen to this episode because Allie has some great advice and she also just speaks to all of the benefits of dating sober. So listen to the entire episode. Like I'm promising you right now that you have a lot to gain. Um, so without further ado, here is Allie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace and the City Sobriety Edition. Um, today, I'm so excited to be here with Allie McElwraith, who is someone that I came across on TikTok and saw her one video, and it just was like the, the inspiration I needed in that moment to just continue on the sobriety journey and um, really cut out alcohol from my life, not just for January, but for good um so i'm so excited to be here and thank you so much for finding my comment being like can you please come on my <laughs> podcast and uh agreeing i was so in i love it i'm very pumped amazing so uh why don't we start off if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself uh where are you from how old are you where'd you grow up what do you do what's your story sure so by trade, I suppose I'm a brand strategist. So that's what I do work-wise. Um, I'm 33 now. I grew up in Alberta. And then at the moment, I'm living in Toronto. But I'm a little bit nomadic at the moment just because I still have a house in Edmonton that I've rented out and uh, wanted to come back to Toronto because I used, I used to live here for a year and loved it. I actually had plans to be in Paris this year, but then came back to Toronto was like, oh, I can't leave. Never mind. So, yeah, so I'm doing that. And I grew up like basically in the suburbs outside of or in Alberta, outside of Edmonton. And uh, yeah. That's the that's the quick and short of it. So yeah, so I'm a consultant by trade. That's what I do for a living and uh, mostly work with startups. It's basically all in like the consumer psychology, consumer buying space. Oh, cool. And I help, yeah, startups and they bring me on project basis and then we help them get to a place of where they can either complete their raise or they're in a space where they actually consumers get them and are attracted to them as a company and a brand. And so, yeah. That's so, that's so cool. It's quite like quick side note, but basically since I started my own sobriety journey, that's kind of what kind of has led me to, well, it has led me to interview people, um, who are alcohol free or sober. And, um, 
so in doing so, it's less of like, you know, oh, a person who started a podcast about mental health and just learning about, you know, what people do in their daily lives and but also happen to not have alcohol included in that. So it's cool to it's cool to have like, a you know, a job that just like is interesting in its own right and then just incorporate alcohol, like no alcohol um, in that. So and also you're my, yeah. I think, second Canadian ever. So that's mm. pretty cool. <laughs> so some of the comments when I was speaking on that TikTok kept saying, oh, you're clearly Canadian. Like, by the way, I would say year and a half or something. And I was like, oh, I don't, is that like a Canadian way to say that? I'm not totally sure. Or like, oh, your accent. I'm like, oh, interesting. That's, yeah. I mean, I hear from like the out, I think, maybe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's, and it's also interesting, and then we can go into this, but. Because I think like binge drinking is such an American thing. Maybe it's Canadian too. So maybe you'll have a unique perspective and open my eyes to things I never even thought. Yeah, it's it's still up here as well too. And uh, the drinking age being 18 where I grew up, 19 in some places in, across Canada. But yeah, drinking starts early in Canada for sure. Like in high school, we're going to parties. The binge drinking is definitely a big thing. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. The North America is just <laughs> needs to reevaluate. So for some quick background on my own reasons for quitting, um, I've been reevaluating my relationship with alcohol for a couple years now. I, I even looked at my like I Am Sober app and the first time I downloaded it was like three years ago. So when I was here in Costa Rica, like at this time three years ago. So it's definitely been on my mind and, you know, I've done like sober Octobers, dry Januaries, probably haven't done them completely through, but, it, and that's what I was planning on doing for this January. And then I like classic went out with a bang on New Year's Eve and just got way too hammered, ended up like, like blacked out, had just one of the, like the most embarrassing nights of my life, um, in front of my family and from my friends, just awful. And so after that, I was like, you know what, screw this. Like, and part of what inspired me um, from your video, which like I definitely want to get into, is how you said it's just so much easier to say I don't drink than to say I'm cutting back. I'm doing a dry January. I'm you know doing a damp lifestyle because that in between people like don't respect. And so just to be like, I don't drink is so powerful in itself. So all that is to say you were a huge inspiration for me to not just do a dry January or to cut back and, you know, live and have a couple drinks here and there because that wouldn't have been possible. So I wanted to ask you like what your journey was to cut alcohol out of your life and like what led you to that a year and a half ago? Sure. So even the backstory on it, I, I was drinking in high school, partying on the weekend sort of thing. And same with even in my early 20s, right? Going to the bar with friends, you know, at the 18 to 21, it was like going to the bar three to four times a week. And then as the years went on, I wasn't a heavy, heavy drinker by any means, even in my late 20s and early 30s. But if it was a summer day and you and I are having cocktails and like sun's out, music's going like, I'm in a good mood. I for sure would want to get drunk. I would have so much fun doing that. Right. So, and I would go, I could easily go one or two. That was no problem, but 
I could also give her. I used to be a person that was either a zero or a hundred person. There wasn't really much for moderation. That was also my personality as well. I've struggled with food a lot of my life. Again, I'm either on a diet or I'm going nuts. So it's a cheat day and we're going like calorie, like I'm eating till I'm sick basically. So moderation was always a tough thing for me in many facets of my life. And then in the last couple years, my drinking was something that I was starting to take notice of. Uh, and about a year and a half ago, which is how long I've uh, been been alcohol free for, one of the main reasons that I started to really look at it was because of dating. So I'm single. I would be going on dates with guys. I've been doing a lot of dating in the past few years. And I'd be on date one or two. We'd go out for a few drinks, nothing even crazy. And then eventually I'd get to date three, four or five. And it would be a sober date or we do whatever. And I realized I don't even like this person, but alcohol on dates one and two were elevating my like towards someone else. And that I started to realize was one, I was really disappointed in myself in that. And two, I'm wasting time and wasting actually other people's time as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually not actually showing who I really am because I'm quite introverted and a homebody. I mean, I can certainly be outgoing, but I would be like the outgoing version of myself and like, oh yeah, we really connected. And then I get to a place, it'd be a sober date and realize we have either nothing in common. I'm not even attracted to this person or like our lifestyles don't match at all. And that started to really bother me. So I would do, I remember leading up, I quit in August, basically of last summer, leading up to it, I said to a few different friends, would you do a dry month with me? I, I'm thinking about cutting back. I do that constantly. And every time after drinking, I think, okay, I'm cutting back. I'm doing, oh, I need to slow down. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And uh, I reconnected with a friend from high school and we were, in, it was actually over business. We were in a meeting once and they brought out beers, my favorite afternoon beers. Like I'm an Alberta girl, love that. <laughs> so we would, they brought out beers and they said, oh, Matt doesn't drink. And I thought, that's so interesting. I wonder why. And uh, so him and I were on a call one day and I asked him, you don't drink. Like I got the sense that it was a choice, not, not something that was forced. And he said, yeah, I read the book, the easy way to quit drinking by Alan Carr. Mm -hmm. And I've never had a drink since. And that was a year ago and I've never been happier. And that just sparked something in me. I knew I had to read that book. And as I read it too, you know, there's, there's a lot of conversation in the zeitgeist started happening celebrities or really high profile or very successful people, I would hear an interview saying, I don't drink. And I thought, do they know something that I don't know? Because they're highly successful. They look like they live the life and they don't drink. And that rhetoric just kept coming up. I read this book and in read, I don't know if you've read the book. It gave me secondhand embarrassment to read because in it, he says, when we're drunk, we repeat our stories. We become highly emotional. We're, we're often speaking louder than we normally would. And he just started, and it's not anything we don't know. We know that we do that. Like we embarrass ourselves when we're drinking, but reading it gave, I just thought that is so embarrassing. Yeah, I do that as well. Or we're like practically in people's faces yelling these stories. And I was like, there's, and there's many other things that resonated with me within that book as well. Little things like 
when we first start drinking at say, I'm going to say for myself, 16, we don't even like alcohol. That's why kids are often throwing up the first few times they're reading it. So we have to cut alcohol by sweetening it. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why we start with coolers. And essentially over years, we build up our tolerance to it. And then eventually we like the taste. So then we get to our twenties and now we're drinking wine, but right. You and me alike, probably when I started drinking wine, I didn't like it at first, but I had to really work my, and he just started talking about all of these scenarios within life. And I just, he even says within the book, don't quit until you're done reading this book. So while I was reading the book, I still was having drinks. I finished it on a Friday. I went out, not went out, went out for like a glass of wine on a Saturday. And that was it. I've never had a drink again. That book, it just changed how I saw alcohol in so many different ways. And that's where I landed. Amazing. That's so, it's interesting you bring up that book. I haven't read it, but in the book I am reading, Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker. That's the book she read that like had her completely cut it off um and like from what you kind of describe as like your lifestyle with alcohol I feel like I can kind of relate in the sense that I was never like not to you know shame anyone that is doing this but I think it's like there's so much nuance in in the process but that night that I had that was the on New Year's was like a once in a four year kind of night it was more of like a couple glasses of like wine and um you know while watching the bachelor and things that from the societal perspective are considered normal because that's what's been ingrained in our culture but not what the media and hollywood portrays as like alcoholism of like you know having a whiskey in the morning and like you know, all, and, and just like to that extreme. Um, and I think, I mean, we can get into that, but that's, I think a huge part of the problem is that, and this is a a stat I read that it's like a woman is considered to be over consuming alcohol if they have, um, I think it's like eight drinks per week. I definitely Mm. was having eight drinks per week. Like that's (laughs) a glass. That's a, you know, a glass per night plus one. Like, I can't think of many people who probably wouldn't fit that. And yet, (laughs) we're, you know, lying to our doctors, we're lying to ourselves, and just normalizing something that is literally, like, poison. And uh, kind of as, you know, going off of what you said about the secondhand embarrassment, I'm listening to this book, uh, God, I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting the name of the book and the author. It's William Porter's Alcohol Explained. And he talks about the whole notion of like liquid courage and how we have this idea in our heads that like alcohol makes social situations easier and that if we're awkward in social situations, it'll make us like sociable and non-awkward. Where in reality, if you're like, if you go into a situation sober and you know you don't like social situations though people will be like oh that person's kind of shy and reserved whereas if you drink a lot and then go into that situation you're going to say things that are embarrassing you're going to say things you didn't want to say and people are be like oh that person's drunk so it's like which would you rather would you rather be like quiet and reserved or blurting out things you didn't want to say and just coming off as embarrassing and 
I was like, wow, that is just so true. <laughs> like thinking of the people, you know, like thinking of the interactions I've had with people and I'm like, oh my God, that's so like, why did that person say that? I feel so embarrassed for them. And then also not realizing like that has been me many a times. Alcohol is, is one. Yeah. Very nuanced, but some of the questions and some of the things I realized I had to start asking myself, okay, one, do I need alcohol to have fun? These are the conversations I had with myself. No, of course not. I'd say, do I need, no, no, no. Okay. Then don't drink. Well, okay. So you do need alcohol to have fun. And if that's the case, then that's a whole other story. But I think in reflect, like reflecting on my time of drinking now, I'm a person of, I really like one-on-one conversations and going deep in them. But that's a little bit harder to do at a party, right? The personalities that really shine are the ones that not surface level by any means, but, you know, keep it light, jovial, and can get the party going. Lots of fun, engaging multiple people at once. So less depth, but really kind of that like fun personality, which isn't me, but alcohol Mm -hmm. could give me that a little bit. And so I think that's why I really enjoyed alcohol, but deep down that's not actually who I am my dad and I discussed this at length because my mom and brother are that life of the party personalities they shine in social situations my dad and I so they're the personalities where people will say oh my gosh loved by everyone so outgoing so fun whereas my dad and I are the ones that someone will leave a conversation with us a one-on-one conversation and go they, I've never had that great of conversation with that person or they changed my mind or I've never had that depth of conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so we're very much one-on-one types of people, but you're not going to corner people in a bar to have a one-on-one conversation. Or you could, I suppose, right? But that's truly my personality. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't fit as well, I think, in the going out kind of like loud, let's like run around the bar, talk to everyone type. And so that's what alcohol gave me was the ability to, you know, be in that place of like levity and fun and loud and outgoing, even though that's not really who I am. So I had to sit with that and this not drinking, you really have to look at your stuff, right? And so I I had to really start to appreciate who I am at my core and be okay with that yeah. and know that maybe I'm not life of the party personality, but that's also, I have superpowers regardless, even though those aren't mine and my superpowers are just as valued or I think coming up, right. Even if you look at the business world, outgoing, the loud CEOs, the really like manifestors and generators of the world are the ones that we've always valued but the quiet ones, the more introverted ones, that kind of, you know, wave is only just coming. And so, yeah, it's like, you really need to look at, I think who you are, what alcohol gives you, why it gives that to you and what you think you're missing without it, or what you think that you don't have or can't do without the alcohol, and then start to work backwards from there on filling in those gaps on your own. That's such a good point. It's also like, you saying that and saying, you know, I, I drank so that I could have that levity and be that like life of the party, so to speak, but like truly inside, that's not even what you wanted to do. You wanted to, you know, have those intimate conversations and you're right, unless you're like cornered in a bar, like screaming over the music, like, and so like, do you think everything happens for a reason? Like, like, you know, having those deep conversations, um, it's like, 
because it's that notion of like conforming or you know trying to be something that you isn't truly at your core which um yeah I think so interesting and I don't know I was talking to a girl I interviewed and because I asked her if she'd consider herself an introvert or an extrovert and the reason I was curious was because I had actually considered myself like more like I mean I love a deep conversation I laugh because I saw a meme that was talking about how you know what dates once you're sober are like lying out looking at the stars and talking about the meaning of life and I'm like oh god I already do that <laughs> like what does this mean for me but at this I also would consider myself like a very outgoing person you know at a bar like jumping to the karaoke machine dancing on the tables like even if I am dead sober like before I used to drink I was doing that um and yet so then I asked my friend, I'm like, I feel like I'm like this. I know you're like this. Why did we still need alcohol to quote unquote have fun if we're already like getting energy off of other people in these social situations? And I think she hit the nail on the head saying it's because we don't want like the fun to end and like we are, uh, you know, zero to a hundred we are a hundred in those moments and so we want everyone else to be having fun and in doing so it's like I want everyone to have a drink in their hand I want to make sure everyone's happy and so that social anxiety of you know worrying about what everyone else is thinking or like or feeling if they're having a good time if they're not and just keeping the party going is I think why I would end up you know at 3 a.m having consumed way too much even though I didn't need all that alcohol to enjoy my time there yeah so it's it's an interesting like, dichotomy of you know both sides of the of the coin either if you don't like socializing or you do we're both being drawn to alcohol for different reasons yeah and then it becomes a quality and quantity issue at that point too and I'm cu- I'm just curious if for you then it's because maybe you weren't getting as much of the quality. So then you went to quantity, like how can we extend this evening sort of thing? Whereas as I'm very, I'm because I'm so introverted, um, even though I'm outgoing for me, I need a lot of downtime and a lot of alone time. So the quality is very important because I'm not a quantity person. So I really mm-hmm. enjoy those like in debt, you know, those, those moments of connection with people um, because I can't handle the quantity as much, but yeah, I'm just curious for you if maybe in those drinking moments, if you weren't actually getting a lot of quality because you know, you're drinking, there's less room for, for actual connection that you would like prolong the period of time? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, because I definitely am a, would you rather four quarters or a hundred pennies kind of person? I'm definitely the four quarters in the sense of like friends. I'd rather have four really great friends than a hundred like going out friends. Um, I think it's like a mixture. And I noticed like when I'm having an actual like really great time, I wasn't drinking that much, but you know, I think it's a combination of things where alcohol is everywhere. You know, I'm sometimes when I'm with people who I don't necessarily like that much. Um, 
if it's like an open bar, like all those things pulled together. And it's more of just like wanting to be that fun person and having that drink in your hand makes it easier, so to speak, or like gives off the illusion that, cause I think there's a, you know, assumption that the person who's like really outgoing drinks. Yeah. So I think that also feeds into it, but it's a good, I don't know, something definitely for me to think about because I think back to like when I was, you know, when I had a quote unquote like healthy relationship with drinking, which I look back on was like 17 years old. So shouldn't have even been drinking, but like I would have maybe like one drink and wasn't having any attachment towards it, but still being this like fun silly person that I am where my sister's like, Zoe, get off the table. You're embarrassing ourselves yourself. Like that's me dead sober or blacked out. Right. It's just like, why would I want to be the latter? Yes. I know for me with drinking as well, a big wound of mine is not being seen. And mm-hmm. I think when I had alcohol, it would kind of numb that numb that that feeling that would always rise for me which is oh I'm not being seen so if I can drink and get myself going and be a little bit louder and maybe garner more attention for myself then that would help but if I was sober the feeling would come up and I'd have to feel it yeah that's definitely something I've I've like not only read about but have felt and like see it in the horizon (laughs) So in 2023, I'm really trying to kind of amp up my health and fitness routine from a holistic perspective. And one of the ways I've been doing this is with Oro, which is an app providing a one-stop shop for different types of virtual fitness and wellness rituals. Um, I don't know if any of y'all are fans of the account Sweats in the City. Um, when I was living in New York, I practically, you know, it was practically like my Instagram Bible. And I just look up to Elizabeth and Dale so much as female entrepreneurs um, and just like what they've created. So Oro, if you don't know, was created by them. And so it has all of their favorite boutique fitness and self-care classes in one place. All videos are live, um, but they're also on demand. So you can watch it anytime uh, from anywhere. There's over 500 classes and instructors to in cho- uh, to choose from. And they're all of my favorite types of classes like Pilates, bar, sculpt, um, and then more wellness things like meditation and sound baths. Um, yesterday, I did this amazing Pilates slash meditation class with Natasha and it was just exactly what I needed. It's freezing outside and I didn't want to you know, pay for a day pass at the gym And so I'm just so glad that I have this app. And again, it's also really cheap. That is like the best part. I was paying for class pass previously and it's like, okay, you, you know, pay a certain amount of month for a certain amount of credits, but those credits don't, don't get you very far, especially in like a place like New York. And so if you uh, download the app, it's only $19 a month, but you can get $5 off your first month and a free week trial by using the promo code Zoe Skur. So that's Zoe, Z-O-E-S-C-U-R, all one word, and you'll get, it'll be basically $14 for an unlimited amount of classes for a month and an extra free week. So highly 
encourage that you check it out. And if you have any questions, let me know. So I saw, I mean, the TikTok I saw that you posted, which really, again, just inspired me to quit entirely. Um, in that video, you talked a little bit about how quitting drinking entirely is a lot easier than quote unquote cutting down or living a quote like damp lifestyle. And that really stuck with me because I think there's a lot of power in words. And so saying I'm cutting back or like I'm doing a sober October doesn't hold the same weight as saying I'm not drinking. Like, no, thanks. I don't drink because people are so uncomfortable with the, the middle ground. And so I guess my question for you is like, do you think sobriety or a lifestyle without alcohol is truly black and white or can there be a gray area? I know for me, the, the not drinking is way easier. I also think, I always think of conversation, right? So when someone says, oh, would you like a drink? I don't drink. One, I'm very proud of that because I, I know that not everyone can do it. So anytime someone says to me that they're sober, not alcohol free, non-alcohol I just get so much immense pride for them because it is, we talked about this earlier, it's everywhere. And if you're a person who goes about your day every single day, uh, not, not engaging in something that is constantly around us, I just think that's so something to be so proud of. So for me to say, I don't drink, I'm really proud of it. I know in a lot of the comments, mm -hmm. people say it's the most frustrating or annoying thing to me when people are like oh you don't drink why but I'm at a place where I love talking about it and the experience that I've had I don't view alcohol as a negative thing I never I try actually to avoid to ever talk about alcohol in that way and only ever talk about what not drinking has brought me because it can be so triggering yeah. for other people which I fully understand by the way um so, so yeah, so that's a big, that's a big piece of it. But the, uh, so yeah, so I'm just very proud to say that I don't drink and it invites a different conversation in, I believe, instead of saying I'm doing dry January. Oh, no way. Okay. So what do you, are, do you have any vacations? Are you going to drink this summer? Whereas I don't drink people I find are very curious about it as well. Oh, no way. Interesting. Yeah. Is it a, and then they allude to, is it a problem or was it a choice? And I say, no, it was just this thing. I realized that alcohol wasn't for me. It kind of bothered me. It didn't work well with my body at all. It didn't work well with my emotions or my mental state. And so I had to stop. And then that's often I find that level of vulnerability invites someone else in to say, you know what, I actually really struggle with it in this way as well. And so it's, it invites a different conversation. But at, like I said earlier, the I did the I'm not drinking thing for a month. I'm cutting back so many times yeah. that I got tired of saying it and I got tired of hearing myself say it. So I got to a point where it's kind of like time to walk the talk basically at this point. And like, are we going to, I'm going to do this for the next 30 years, have the same conversation with my friends and family. Oh, I'm cutting back. Like, like you don't like it. You don't enjoy, well, you know, I, thought I liked it. You don't, it brings up all of these things for you, but you're just going to keep doing it for the next 30 years. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. And it also, again, like leads to 
well, come on, it's my birthday. Have a shot. Or yeah. like, okay, but it's New Year's. Like, it, it's not, it leaves the conversation open-ended. Whereas saying I don't drink closes it right there. And in, in, if anything, as you said, like invites more questions rather than assertions. Yes. And it's just easier too to not think about the evening because I know when I was drinking, you'd almost like not pre-plan the evening in your head, but a little bit. Okay. What are we doing tonight? Oh, what do I have tomorrow? Okay. Can't drink too much because I have this thing at 10 PM or 10 AM and I can't be too hungover. Okay. So I'm only going to have one. And then for the next three hours, you'd be like, Oh, I wish I could have a second, but I really only, okay. No, you're only having like the mental gymnastics of doing, and that's not everyone. That was me though, of negotiating the whole evening about how many drinks or the oh tonight's gonna be a runaway okay I already know that I'm gonna have as much you know drinks as I want and then often for me it would lead to binge eating at the end of the evening because for me for alcohol and food can be so closely tied right it uh kind of removes our thinking brain and then so then I feel off you know it was just this pattern and the mental gymnastics for me it, it the minute that I took that away it just wasn't this thing that I think about. And people often say like, how do you do it? And I don't know if you've ever cut anything out of your diet before, but I did when I was 25, I stopped eating dairy. And everyone always says, I love cheese too much. And I'm like, dude, I loved cheese. So <laughs> like, I get it. But if you have cut anything out of your life when it comes to food, it just becomes this thing that you don't think about anymore yeah it's like you do it first because you're missing it and then you get to a point I don't know what what is happening chemically in the brain around that but once you you eventually kind of stop missing it and then you don't even realize it's missing from your life and that's where where I'm at with alcohol I never think about it that's so interesting you say that because I was going to and I also have not <laughs> Like, I don't know if this is scientifically proven or this is just something I've noticed. And I kind of made the connection. I was like, huh, I wonder if there's like research studies about this. But for context, I used to suffer with a really bad eating disorder. And I do know that there's research around, um, especially like with mine, it was not eating. So it was like anorexia or orthorexia. But when you're depriving yourself of food, your brain is constantly thinking about food. So like it sounds insane, but like I would just like look at menus as like almost a way to replenish myself because I was denying myself of food. And I think in a similar way, when I go into a night saying I'm not drink, I'm only having one drink or like I'm, you know, having an easy night even though I'm saying I'm having less alcohol, my brain is still thinking alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. Like, and it's not a coincidence that the nights where I went in being like, I'm just cutting it. I'm going to have an easy night tonight are the days I blacked out. So it's, I don't know if there's like reverse psychology around it or what have you, but I totally relate to that. And also then once you have that one drink, you have lower inhibitions. So then you're like, okay, maybe I'll just have one more. And by that point you're like, ah, fuck it. I'll just, you know, deal with it tomorrow with my hangover. And so it's just so much easier, like, as we've said, just to not have it entirely. And then I'm in the early stages, but I can see myself down the line of like, just not even wanting to drink. 
Yeah. And there's so many more options now too. I have so much, gosh, respect for people who have been sober over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years who have sat there with a soda water or a bottle of water while everyone else around them had something fun to drink. Yeah. There are now so many great options. I mean, again, I go to the Ace Hotel, which is next door to me. They have this amazing mocktail. It's so good. I've seen actually lots of people in the bar who order it, who are drinking and then like get a shot of tequila in it. But the drink is so good. And now there's so many, like you can get a gin and tonic, like all these different companies coming out with drinks so that now you can be out and having a non-alcoholic beer that tastes amazing to you if you love the taste of beer. And no one's asking you if that's something that you need to not engage in the conversation about alcohol. There's so many ways around that now, having drinks that look like alcohol, which is great. But the biggest thing is enjoying what you're drinking. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's such an important component of it because yeah, it does feel like you're missing out. I'll say this, the first, I quit on a Saturday, like I said, and on the Sunday morning, I went to book club brunch and they were crushing mimosas while I drank uh, like, I don't even like bubbly water. I don't, I don't like um, fizzy stuff very much, but I was having a bubbly water. And I thought this, I had so much anxiety. I was almost crawling out of my skin at that point because I thought this is one so uncomfortable because I hadn't dealt with a lot of the feelings that come up yet with not drinking, but two, drinking mimosas is fun. And I'm sitting here with this shitty water. I'll never have fun again. And is this what drinking is like, this sucks, but over time now, again, you go out and people order drinks and you get to order just as great of drink as a, you know, like a fizzy, whatever, I, the drink I have at Ace Hotel and Joey's restaurants, um, they as well have this mocktail that like steams and it's so cool. It's like a whole experience. Yeah. What that, and that's what alcohol is. It's almost like the same as coffee, right? It's the ritual of coffee. We all love holding the mug pouring it. Oh my God. And then it tastes good, but that's kind of alcohol for a lot of people, right? At the end of the day, uh, you've had a hard day. Now you pour a glass of wine and then you're going to sit on the couch. Now you're going to put music on. It's also just the ritual of it. So if you can come home, make like this amazing rosemary cock mocktail and all of these different things, you still get to have the ritual of it, which is half the enjoyment of having alcohol. Yeah. It's, it's so true. It's like, And again, I also have so much respect for those people who have kind of joined this movement like well before me because I I actually did a research study on like the ways in which social media influences the sober curious movement. And it's, you know, from advertisements of Bella Hadid's Kin Euphorics and like Liquid Death, which I think is the most genius marketing ever. And just all these different drinks, literally liquid death is water and that are just, you know, you can hold it and feel like you're holding a cold beer. And it's just, as you said, the experience without the hangover, which like is exactly what everyone wants, but thinks that alcohol is necessary in order to get that experience. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's exactly it. And the idea of truly, which is, I think often we go into not drinking with a lack mentality. I'm missing out. But the thing that I often say, and it always resonates with my friends who don't drink is 
I'm not saying no to alcohol. I'm saying yes to the life that I now have. It to me, alcohol is actually has nothing to do with it anymore. I just enjoy the life that I've created so much that and alcohol just happens to not be a part of it anymore. So like I mentioned, I don't I don't think about alcohol all the time. I really don't. I'm just really enjoying my life. So I'm like, uh, no, I'm okay. Cause I like where I'm at right now. So it, it kind of now for me has nothing to do with alcohol, but I'm a year and a half in also four years of therapy. And so that's where I'm at now. I love that approach and that kind of outlook. I think that's just so important of, again, it's like, rather than saying like almost making it a punishment being like, this is a reward. Like I'm about to open up a whole new chapter of my life where out and have so much time back, have my Sundays, have more energy. There's just so many things that I think people need to consider if they're questioning drinking of like the good parts rather than thinking about all the bad parts that they're going to miss out on. A hundred percent. I had, was on a call with a, with a non-alcoholic company earlier this week. And they asked the irony of this, like ask what I would attribute my success to. I was like, um, I posted one TikTok and don't know how it went viral. So um not sure. But the one thing I did say is I, people feel comfortable drinking around me and I love that. And I think that's because my approach is exactly that. I don't talk about the negatives of alcohol. Usually I'll talk about my, my personal experience when I was drinking, of course, but it actually has nothing to do with that for me. It's now it's, I talk about the positives of, of not drinking or just the life that I have um, because for that exact reason, you get to this place where you're like, holy shit, like life is really, really good. And so I stay in that space because at the end of the day, like we know alcohol isn't good for us, but neither are chips. And I eat those like they're going out of style. So yeah. like, whatever, you know, we don't need to harp on that anymore. We know that already. That's not great for us. That message, I actually don't think lands very well for people because I knew that it wasn't totally great for me. God, I could, I was a puffer fish after I drank and like my joints were sore. Like it was, didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Mm-hmm. But talking about now like the positives of it I think are just a much smarter approach and that's why I also think that within the 1500 comments I maybe deleted 10 and they weren't even totally horrible just a typical joke like quitter or things like that which is like whatever but I think that's why it landed with people and I've had such a positive reaction is because I'm just talking about what it gives me not what alcohol didn't give me I love that. That is good to know on my journey to try to become viral on TikTok or at least just generate traffic to my to this podcast. So my next question, and you address some of these in that TikTok video, are what are some things that you have learned about yourself or changes you've noticed once you quit drinking? The, yeah, the list is really long. I think I mentioned the intuition Um the intuition piece in that TikTok, And that has been, that is really what set me going as, wow, this is a big difference. And it's funny when I brought that up, there's this medicine man in Canada. He's, he's quite famous and he works with a lot of CEOs and really that's a whole other story for another day, but I've had that conversation as well. And he talked and I said, I just, something is like, 
my intuition is through the roof right now. And he was like, well, yeah, alcohol blocks the ability to hear ourselves, which makes so much sense. Like we think of even ourselves on a night out, right? And how our thinking goes. And we're like, oh, I, I was not even thinking at that point. Or, you know, my gut was instinct on people or interactions was gone. So that was such a big piece of it for me. Um, and the other thing sometimes think people don't realize I was I saw Jillian Harris who I really like she's out of Kelowna Canada quite a big influencer she was talking about how I watched her stories and over the the which I love her by the way this isn't uh, this isn't um, bad on her um she'd been at a wedding over New Year's Eve and they were drinking for days on end and not and probably still three or four days later on her story she was like oh my anxiety is back and I was just curious if she ever thought of, I think we always think of anxiety as a one day effect, but I, I wonder if that's actually not true. And the, why would the effects not last three or four days? I mean, it, it's a depressant. I mean, it doesn't have a 24 hour turnaround on like, it's yeah. a and so I just was like, oh, I wondered if she realizes that the four days of drinking and then the anxiety still a week later um, that she didn't know where it was coming from kind of had some sort of correlation. So yeah, I think for me, I'm much more even keel. Doesn't mean mm -hmm. I've had bad days or like really great days. It just, the ups and downs are less. I, I think I'm just more at a steady state of being which has been huge for me because again, as a hundred to zero person, something that I still work on being a, a person of just moderation in life, um, less ups and downs, that's had a really big effect on me as well. So, and like I met, said in the video to my confidence, I'm so much more outgoing at a bar than I ever was before. And I don't quite still haven't quite figured that piece out yet. I think I'm just, again, therapy, I'm more confident in myself in general, but I, I like being sober at a bar now and I don't mind being in a bar as well. Now it can at one after 12 PM. Okay. Maybe I don't enjoy it as much when people are yelling in your face, but, uh, but yeah, I, I enjoy social interactions more. I enjoy being out more, the mental clarity, the intuition, the connection with myself, the, um, again, because I've struggled with food, that's really limited since I've stopped drinking. The list honestly is very long. It's really long of how it's positively impacted. That's so, all so good to hear. And like maybe this is partially placebo effect, but I have definitely noticed that that like mental clarity and in, I don't know, actually I was thinking about this when I was walking home from dinner last night and by home, I mean from the dinner place to this apartment. But I was thinking about those like little conversations you have with yourself when you're drunk and how, you know, it's like, oh, I'm drunk right now, but you're like thinking about things and it's all kind of just like bouncing around from idea to idea. And then I was having one of those conversations with myself in my head. I wasn't speaking out loud um, about the night. And it was weird because I had this moment of stepping back and being like, wow, this actually makes sense. Like everything I'm thinking right now is in chronological order. It has like a, I'm posing a question and then like kind of thinking of an answer. And I thought for so long that those little mini conversations were only something that you had after having a big night out or, you know, going into the bathroom and like looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, you can do this or whatever. 
but it was just like such a moment of clarity and just processing the dinner in a, a way that I remembered. I don't know. It was just, it was a weird moment. And I think it was like an eye-opening experience just because I had never really had one of those clear conversations with myself to my knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. It, the clarity thing is interesting too. When you think about emotions, I know, I mean, as, as many of us did, but when I was young, I used to cry a lot. You know what I mean? The crying girl at the bar. Um, and I've had conversations with my, with my parents about this as well, which is, I now looking back used to have heart to again would love a, a drunk heart to heart with mm -hmm. with someone right and I think oh that was so neat what a connection point but I look back on it now very differently because now I see it as oh I needed alcohol to have that heart to heart with someone and I know um for my dad male in his 60s and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this he's often said that too for him to have it is obviously a bit tougher for men, um, you know, to have, it's just more, you know, us women have been kind of taught that it's okay more than it is for men. And he says he's often used um, alcohol as that connection point as well, right? You have that drunk heart to heart with someone. And I just think that's interesting as well, because how we view it looking back, we're like, oh, that was such a wonderful moment. But then it's like, oh, are we not having these wonderful moments just in our daily lives, like it takes to this point of having all till we're almost outside of our body to, sorry, I don't know where I'm going with this. You can cut this piece out, <laughs> but uh... no, I, I agree. I think about that a lot. And for, I, I, I came up with this saying that like the two times that you can have really deep conversations nowadays are through a podcast such as this or on a hike. Mm. And neither of those involve alcohol, right? Like I love nothing more than going on a hike with someone and just like talking about life. And it's funny that those are the two things that come to mind when I think about it in general, where in the moment I definitely will think about that great conversation I had with a, you know, a, a boy over a glass, like a bottle of wine when yes. In reality, that none of that sticks with me in the like the day after. I'm like, oh my god, it, we connected so much, but really, it was like forced connection almost. And it's obviously not someone I probably would have chose like chosen to have that conversation with if I had been sober. Whereas if I'm on a hike with someone or if I'm asking them to come on my podcast, I want to talk to them. So it's like this that's a brilliant point. I, I like the way you worded that a lot. I, I think that's, you did such a good job of explaining it. That's exactly how I felt about the, the dating and drinking thing. Yeah. I want to hear more about that. Like, I'm really curious to hear what your experience dating was like before uh, you cut out alcohol and then after. And also big question is like, cause I'm on like, you know, dating apps and whatnot. And I literally cannot think of a single time that anyone has ever asked me to do anything aside from like want to grab a drink. <laughs> and my first, my thought is, is like, okay, do I, do I tell them, do I say like, oh, I don't drink right then and there. Do I wait to get to the bar and order a diet Coke? Like, 
I have, it's such a sad thing that I can't think of like how to respond. And I was like, Oh yeah, sure. And then I'm like, Oh my God, what looking for like the menu for like non-alcoholic drinks. But yeah, it's just so ingrained in our culture that it's drinks first, you know, then maybe a couple of days down the line, you get dinner and with drinks and then all like, you know, matchmakers that I've interviewed are like, Oh, you don't want to do coffee dates because that's, um, you know, that you need dim lighting. That's not a romantic setting. You don't want to go on walks cause you're not making eye contact. And I'm like, well, what the hell do I, am I supposed to do? <laughs> so I'd love to hear your experience. That's, I didn't know that people that, uh, professionals say that about coffees and walks because I've just said that to a friend, not even two days ago, which was, I don't find coffees romantic at all. Um, and that same thing, when we're going for a walk, we can't, we're not making eye contact at all. Um, and so I don't like it. I was just on a day, uh, day date, uh, on Sunday, a few days ago. And, and here is the difference now in dating after drinking. If we would have gone for a drink, him and I had really good conversation, really nice conversation. I really enjoyed it. But was there a romantic connection? No, but I guarantee you, if I would have gone on a date with him while I was still drinking and we went for a couple drinks, I would have conflated our connection 100%. I already know that now. Well, we had good conversation. Then maybe I would have forced flirtiness or, or something into it because I was drinking and, and whatever. I just know that now. And I think the difference between before drinking and after um, to where I am now would be honestly wasting time. Yeah. And going on dates and realizing it's a now I'm, I'm pretty discerning about it. You can tell instantly where there's a connection or there's not. And before, I think I used to conflate con connection all the time because we had cocktails and then got a little loose and, and all of those different things. So yeah, it's, I'm just much more discerning now than I used to be. And I, I like that. Like I like now where it's very clear for me, whereas before it wasn't. And the amount of time I think I wasted, gosh, dating. And I've been dating, I've been single now for five years. So I've done a ton of dating. I've dated every type of guy out there. I definitely don't have a type. And yeah, I, I, I think that's the theme I just keep going back to now is, is wasting time thinking that I had a connection with someone until we went on a sober date and realizing that I didn't have one at all. And yeah. it's interesting too, since I've been sober, I've dated a guy who owns a brewery for goodness sake. So I've been like right in the alcohol scene still. Um, I, when it comes to the going on dates thing, because I'm on dating apps as well. So obviously people can see that prompt of like not drinking or whatever on, on hinge. So if people say we should grab a drink, I, I don't say anything because often the place will have mocktails are everywhere now or whatever the case may be, or I'll get a coffee or what, whatnot. Um, but if they say specifically would, oh, we should go for a glass of wine. Then I say, yeah, I don't drink, but I love a mocktail or I love anywhere that has like really good non-alcoholic beer. So I make it a positive. I definitely don't make it a negative. Um, but yeah, it's often around going for drinks. But what's interesting now is being a person who's sober and going out for someone potentially who is drinking. I feel like the tables are kind of turned, you know, in your 20s, the conversation used to be like, is a guy taking advantage of a girl? And again, I'm not talking about actual, it was just more of like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. conversation. I now feel that way. I think 
well, one, if you're getting drunk while I'm sober, which I don't mind, we're all our own people, but are you even remembering our conversation from the next day? Because I'm not redoing this conversation again because you can't remember what we spoke about. And then when it comes to like hookup culture as well, I think, well, it feels odd. You've been drinking and I'm I'm not. So now that feels very uncomfortable to me. So not something I I feel as comfortable in. And again, like I said, I don't mind people who are drinking, but one of the guys I was dating recently is like getting drunk three to four times a week and do your own thing. We're separate people. But at the end of the day, if and they start talking about, you know, us dating and I'm like, our, our lifestyles are not even remotely the same. You're mm-hmm. texting me every day at 2 a.m. and I'm texting you at 6 a.m. when I'm getting up the next day. Like we're just incongruent. That doesn't mean you're wrong. Doesn't mean I'm right. Nothing of the sorts, but there's, there's just not the same lifestyle there. And so as much as I, it doesn't bother me when other people drink, I've started to realize that I do just prefer either a non or light drinker. I'm okay with light drinking, but, and it just, it's a values thing or a lifestyle thing. It's, you know, doesn't make Mm -hmm. anything wrong or right, but yeah, in the bringing it up, I only bring it up if they are specific about the type of drink that they would like to have. Um, and then I'll say something, but often I always, or I'll reply back right away. Yes. Let's go for a drink. I love a good mocktail. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, okay, cool. Sounds good. I think you hit the nail on the head in so many ways. Like I think, and I, I've had like this discussion a lot, but people, um, Like when you say, oh, I don't drink, they're suddenly confronted with their own drinking habits. And so someone that's not self-assured, confident in themselves, you know, or basically someone that doesn't have a good, like healthy relationship with alcohol is either going to be like, oh, square, you know what I mean? Like in their mind, be like, oh, well, then I can't date her if she doesn't drink. But then you're weeding out all the bad apples. And so if you're able to you know, meet with someone who's like, that's dope or like, okay, great. And then can have nurse a glass of wine or have, you know, two glasses of beer and still have a good conversation. Like that is probably someone that is going to bring out not only a good side of you, but also you're going to get along with. And so I think that's just such a great way to put it. And it's, it is true with uh, like dating on its own is like takes a huge amount of time and then adding, you know, the hangover that you get if you you, despite not liking the person and like the calories consumed from the drinking it's just like like it it gets rid of a lot of the things that I don't like about drinking which are you know I'm hungover on a Wednesday like that sucks but if you are not and you're just having a conversation you're like nope okay on to the next that makes it a little bit more approachable what's interesting too reading the comments on people just specific to dating um any negative comments that came that I spoke about in the video specific to dating, any of the negative negative comments were from men, never women, which I thought was interesting. One being like saying, cause I mentioned in it guys, I've only had the experience that guys think it's awesome that I don't drink. One of them that I was dating and it was the heavy drinker always said to me, like, I admire that so much. And I thought that was such a wonderful compliment. And, and I thought that was really neat. So one of the comments was, they're just saying that to you to get with you. And I was like, okay, that's okay, sure. And another guy saying basically, like, I bet the sex is boring. And I'm like, 
Oh, okay. And then another person, uh, a woman asking me like, oh, what is sex like sober? And I don't take it like, isn't that weird? Is that not a weird conversation to be having with someone where you're like, oh, the sex must be boring if you're sober? It's also, it's just like projection because they're probably having bad sex, but yeah, it's that, I mean, of course, like classic, like men would just immediately go to that. Also, it's ironic that that person said, oh, they're just saying that to get with you because like, again, and without that alcohol, you're probably a lot more likely to decide whether or not you even wanted to get with that person. So you're probably making better choices. Yeah. What I think is interesting too, from not drinking, uh, sorry, from drinking to not drinking, your baseline for everything has changed. So your baseline for connection now, right? Like we, ju- we just spoke about how dating, right? Before it used to be much more like, oh, that was fun. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I enjoyed it now. It's like, it's very clear whether you do or don't. Mm-hmm. Having fun, and I talk about this in one of my follow-up videos, which is like recalibrating. I think at first when you stop drinking as well or whatever the the place is, I've had a few questions asking like, what about um, if you you don't drink, but your partner does and the, the potential, uh, not fighting, what would the word be? Almost like clashing mm-hmm. um, between those two, between those two people is that, yeah, like the baseline has now changed for you, but the baseline with your relationship with everyone else might change as well. So even coming back to sex, potentially if you guys are a couple who's only having sex when you're drinking or things like that, and now you're doing it sober, you're like tolerance or like enjoyment in that has to almost like recalibrate back to like what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Same with your relationship. Like it's now going to get, have a new starting point basically for like, fun connection whatever that may be because you've alcohol obviously heightens all of that for us or makes it seem like it's something that often it isn't and so you're you're yeah basically like resetting all of those connection points with both yourself but with other people as well agreed 100 percent. so one thing i am very bad at is cooking And not only am I bad at it, but I just really don't like it. I know this is something I need to work on. And I one day will, you know, really buy a bunch of cooking books and teach myself how to navigate a kitchen. But that day is not today. And so I am very thankful for Sakara because as a student with a part-time job and a, um, podcast in a field placement I don't have much time and I know that's an excuse I was making when I had all the time in the world but now I really don't have time and so Sakara delivers fully prepared meals to your doorstep that are healthy nutritious and filling so for someone like me who needs to literally have food placed in front of them in order to eat regularly and keep up with you know maintaining a help both a healthy relationship with food and also just a schedule. Um, Sakara has been such a blessing, and I am so lucky that I've been partnering with them for over two years now um, to provide you all with twenty percent off your first purchase. So, if you're like me and are just not able to fit in time to you know 
make a meal or are ordering out every single day because it's easier but it's dropping so much money, give Saqqara a try. The food's so good. I especially actually really love the breakfast. They have like really great muffins and things that um, are my personal favorite. And I also really, really love their probiotics. So two very different things, but you can order them all. Just use my code XOZOE. That's X-O-Z-O-E at checkout and I'll get 20% off your purchase. So give it a shot and let me know what you think. So I always wrap up these uh, podcasts with a couple of questions somewhat related to what we've been talking about, somewhat unrelated. First one being, what is one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today, not including sobriety? I think, you know, four years ago, I had a had a falling out with one of the with a person close, very, very close to me in my life. And while at the moment, I thought it was the worst it felt like and it was the worst thing to ever happen to me, it has made me a more empathetic, kind natured person since then. And it I allowed it, you know, in the moment I thought my life is basically over because this person, I used to get all of my self-esteem from them, from their, their approval of me, something that I did to myself, not that they did it to me. And after that moment, I decided to go back to start therapy and start really looking at who I am, what I want out of life and all of the invisible pieces of luggage of shit that I was carrying into every room with me. And so as much as that was the lowest point in my life, it then became the jumping off for this next stage of my life that I couldn't be more excited and proud that I've gotten to. And I wouldn't have gotten there if it wasn't for that moment of hell. Yeah. Wow. That, I relate to that a lot. I, I had a falling out with someone who I considered like a really good friend, like almost a sister. And in the moment, in the moments after the months after it felt like such shit, even though I knew this person was terrible for me, like and they were toxic and would gaslight me, but they filled a space that was really needed at a time when I needed it. But I mean, I, I honestly, I mean, they were so integral in my life that I, I feel like they would have talked me out of this decision. Like I mentioned this in a previous episode, but like when I tried to do a dry January last year, uh, this person kind of used my eating door disorder against me and was like, oh, are you doing this because you're looking to, you know, cut back on calories? I was mm. like, no, like if anything, I used alcohol to suppress my hunger. Like what? And then she was like, well, you're, you're fine. Like you don't have a drinking problem. And I listened. And it's amazing that a year later I'm, you know, feeling just so much more confident in my decision making and all of this. So I relate to that a lot. And um, thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. Second question is, do you believe everything happens for a reason? hundred percent. Yes. Or if it doesn't, yeah. Or you turn it into a reason you can, mm -hmm. I think every opportunity can be turned into something. I always say things happen for you, not to you. And I believe that. I love that. I one of my first like I am sober prompts things um said not all storms come to destroy your life. I'm butchering this. Some come to clear your path. 
Mm. And that was like, oh, that is my New Year's leave. Like, that is how I will refer to that night for the rest of my life as like a storm that was like a tornado. But it cleared the path that I like needed to be cleared in order to make the decision to go beyond dry January and cut alcohol in my life. Next question is, do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Oh, it's probably that one. Everything happens for you, not to you. I think mine change over time based on, on what I'm going through, but I do say that one quite a bit. I would say, yeah, I am obsessed with this whole lucky girl trend on in uh, TikTok right now too, which is like always talking to yourself in a way of, I, I mean, I realize maybe it's not a mantra, but always talking to yourself about how everything works for you and how lucky you are and, and validating that each time something great happens to you. And I think that is really brilliant because I do believe the way in which we talk to ourselves creates our entire reality, both negative and positive. That's, I love that. I actually haven't seen that trend, but I need to look into it. And it reminds me of a quick of a quick side note. So I come from a family that is very grew up thinking superstitious. I now would realize it's severe OCD and anxiety, <laughs> um, specifically from my mom's side of the family. Like she's Jewish, and so there's like a lot of connections between like Judaism and um, and superstition, and just like always being afraid, just based on like the historical trauma that Jews have experienced. And so, like, literally, when, whenever we would say something like, oh, I'm, I'm so excited for this trip, it's going to be great, it would be like, knock on wood, poo, 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 like, you know, <laughs> like, don't say it, it's good, we're going to jinx the good things. And my sister also deals with this, and she told me that she was telling her therapist about how she was worried about, she ha- had just recently gotten into a relationship with a guy she liked, she's like, oh, I don't want to jinx it, because I really like him, and I don't want anything to go wrong. And her therapist said, Eleni, if you think that you have the power to make something go the opposite of how you want it to go, then how come you can't make something actually go the way you want it to go? Like, you're not God. If you say something and then you think that, like, oh, your words are literally going to make the opposite happen, why can't you just think that if you say, oh, I'm going to have a great day, that you're going to have a great day? And granted, this isn't even my therapist. This is my sister's. But I was like, that is so true. Like, why am I saying all these things of like, I'm worried about, you know, making something bad happen in my life when like, I'm not God. I can't reverse, like, I I can't like, you know, navigate the stars and, and shit. Like, it's it's so true of like the positive affirmations that like these are three things that are going to happen today and they're going to be great is so much more powerful and also when they're on the top of your mind you're going to do them yeah I say trust the universe a lot because I feel that way or sorry I always say the universe has your back and I really feel that way and even when our anxiety is getting the best of us I'm always like Ali what's meant for you doesn't pass you by It, Mm -hmm. it, it it runs right into you so you don't actually need to worry or stress about it because the universe has your back and what's meant for you won't pass you by. It'll, it'll hit straight into you. When's your birthday, by the way, April 25th. I'm a Taurus. Okay. I'm a Virgo. So 
earth sign. I love Virgos. All uh, of my friends are Virgos. All like my all- friends are Tauruses. <laughs> yeah, we are a good match. Yeah. Uh, did you say the 25th? Yeah. Well, that's my one of my friend's um, birthdays as well. April 25th? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that date from Miss Congeniality where it's like, what is your perfect date? And the girl's like, April 25th, because it's, it's not, not too yeah. <laughs> sunny and not too rainy or something. And they're like, what? <laughs> oh my God, I love that movie. Uh, next question is, what do you love most about yourself? That is a good question. I, you know, that's evolving. I'm really you know, I'm a millennial, so I grew up in the don't air your dirty laundry era. Um, and so I'm really working on reversing that and being okay, being vulnerable and working on my self image and just showing up with who I am. And so that's something I'm actively working on. And so I think maybe the thing that I love about myself is my always willingness to try and put myself out there. And, and I think that's, yeah, that's probably something that I really, really love at the moment. My vulnerability and my my constant, I'm really always trying to do the work and just be myself, which isn't always easy. Yeah. And just from talking to you and what you said about people leaving conversations with you thinking like, wow, that was a great conversation. Like I, my viewpoint has changed. Like that's such a powerful tool. So what I, what I would add to that list is that something um, definitely to reflect on because I think that's dope. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And final question, which is the name of the podcast, is how do you find solace in the city? And city can be Toronto or, you know, whatever, the universe, et cetera. Yeah, I'm I, I'm full of ironies because I, there's nothing I love more than a busy, busy city. But I love being quiet and within myself in a busy city. I've had a pretty insular life the last two years. Just, you know, I I spend some time backing out of, not backing out of life completely, but really, you know, living into therapy and figuring out who I genuinely am as a person and and my baselines for life and what I want out of life. And so, so within that, I have become quite insular. And so I think just spending time with myself within the busyness of life, I really, really enjoy. I love that. Allie, thank you so, so much for coming on this podcast. Thank you. It's funny, these episodes that, like, usually I, my episodes are, like, 45 minutes, and the three I've recorded since doing this solace and sobriety thing are, like, over an hour just because I just have so many questions. But you are awesome. Where can everyone like follow you, work with you, um, if they're a brand, like plug everything. Yes, I'm obsessed right now with working with non-alcoholic companies. So, um, but you can find me on TikTok at Allie McElraith. So A-L-L-Y-M-C-I-L-W-R-A-I-T-H, very long last name. And, um, and then my link in bio, you can kind of find everything from there. But yeah, just TikTok. Awesome. So thanks again and bye everyone. See ya. 